guys, welcome to Relatable. Are you ready to be entertained? If you are, then you should be super excited for the conversation that I am about to have with Jesse Kelly. He is a conservative commentator, radio, TV host, and he has dubbed himself an anti-communist. And we are going to talk about uh, what that means rather than uh, being necessarily totally aligning himself just as a Republican. He has aligned himself with anti-communism and he has a lot of advice to give us. He has a lot of insight to share with us. And you're going to leave this conversation feeling empowered and feeling like you actually have action items to do to push back against that, which is scaring you about our political and cultural future. And so I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. Without further ado, here is Jesse Kelly. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure that everyone listening to or watching this knows exactly who you are. But just in case, can you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Well, I'm very, I'm a very famous, important person, Allie. Yes. I, uh, I have a, I, no, I have a radio show. I have a nationally syndicated radio show, The Jesse Kelly Show, and I have a TV show on the first called I'm Right. It's on every Monday through Friday, and so is my radio show. So that's that's who I am. I'm a, a blue-collar guy that kind of fell backwards into a media career about three years ago, and for some reason it's working. Yes, and one thing that you have... Uh, been hammering on a lot, especially over the past, I would say, year or so, is your identification as an anti-communist. So obviously, most people see you as a conservative, which I think you would also identify as, but you've kind of put to the forefront of your identification politically as anti-communist. So can you tell us why and what that means? Well, people, for one, have to understand what a communist is. It's not just, you know, all the Soviets or the Chinese or something like that. Communism is simply, it's simply a way you sell taking power for yourself. And how you sell it is you are oppressed, you give me power, and I promise I will hurt that guy who's been oppressing you on your behalf. That's all it is. Right. That's all it is. That's all it yeah. ever was. It was that way in the Soviet Union. We have that here only because we're so wealthy, you, uh, we are wealthy here. Our poor people have running water, clean drinking water, 20 feet away at, at a faucet, most likely. We're so wealthy, you can't sell that here. You can sell that in 1917 in the Soviet Union when people were standing in bread lines. You can't sell that here. So you had mm -hmm. to find a new way to sell it to Americans that would appeal to American sensibilities. And American sensibilities are Christian sensibilities. Because look, look, even if you don't call yourself one, it's a Christian nation. It is. I don't care that people have a problem with that. That's what it is. It's what it was founded on. And Christian sensibilities are kindness, tolerance, equality. These are things you're taught, especially in this country. So in America, the way you sell communism is, don't you want black people to be equal? You don't want women to be equal? Are you being intolerant of gay people? You sell it through cultural means. You've been oppressed. Elect me. I'll hurt them for you. And now it's everywhere here. It's absolutely everywhere here. They, they make your movies. They educate your kids. They're in your church. I had to leave mine last year when my pastor got up and started talking about white privilege. They, they run the entire Democratic Party, half the Republican Party. And many people know this and many people don't, but they're all selling the same message. You, an American, are evil. If you're white and straight, you're evil. Elect me. I'll hurt those evil, straight, white people and give power to you, which, of course, they won't. That In the end, it'll just be them holding all the power. But that's how it always works in communism. 
And tell us how this translates to communism. Is it the kind of communism that we have seen throughout history, just that kind of economic uh, oppression, political tyranny? Or can it happen on the cultural level before it even starts to dominate the halls of power? It happens on the cultural level with us, but it happened on an economic level with the Soviets. But the ending is always the same. What the ending is, is one or two or sometimes three or four people holding power, everyone else living in death and misery, unless you're part of the Communist Party, part of the communist apparatus. And that's how it will end here. Don't get me wrong, it's not going to be Black Lives Matter holding any power at all. They'll use those idiots as long as they can to help win elections. It's not going to be the feminist movement holding any power. It's certainly not going to be the LGBTQ, however many letters there are, movement holding any power. But those are the foot soldiers on the front lines of the movement, selling things, selling oppression. You're a victim. You're a victim of this. Just, just elect me. Elect me and I promise I'll hurt those people who've been hurting you. It's always the same. You ask how it ends? It ends with a bunch of people dying and and, and misery. That's how communism always ends. So if it's not all of those oppression groups that end up holding the power, who is it? Are they just politicians? Is it a cohesive group of people? Is it the most power-hungry individuals that just happen to know how to capitalize on this cultural moment? Like, who are the people that are pushing what you call communism through these groups? Well, in this country, it'll be the tech guys, most likely. I could see it being the politicians. But in this country, the real power is with the tech. It's with the big tech guys. And they may not even know they're full-blown communists, but they are. Because they hold, they control all the information. I mean, we complain about censorship here, censorship there. Facebook, Twitter, whatnot. These are, this is the public square of today. This is how people consume their news. This is how people share their news. This is how people interact with each other. It's, uh, YouTube, Google, all these things. And when these people decide what you and I can see, what we consume, they hold all the power in the world. They can decide elections. They can decide what people believe about a virus. But with the snap of their fingers, they control all that. So it could be them. It could be a politician. It's not going to be a lot of people, I'll tell you that, because it's never worked out that way either, ever. It'll be one guy right. or maybe two or three, some central committee. But even then, once they take all the power, then they murder each other. When Pol Pot's communists finally took over Cambodia, there were 22 of them in the central committee. Very shortly, 18 of them were dead, too. Then they just turn on each other until you eventually end up with one man. That's how it works. Right. And the communism that you see here and coming down the pipeline continually here, is it that same kind of or does it share the same goal as Pol Pot and Mao of uh, complete what the elites today call equity? Everyone's ending up in the same place or is it something different than that? Like, are the goals of American communists different than the communists uh, in the past, in the 20th century? No, our communists are the same as communists have always been. But as far as goals go, I want people to understand, I'm not saying all those groups I named and even the big tech guys or the politicians, I'm not even saying they know they're communists. A lot right. of these people do mean well. You, you take some, uh, I use Black Lives Matter, so I'll bring it up again. You take some random Black Lives Matter group of 100 out there. 99% of those people believe they're championing equality or equal rights or something like that. People are going to march in the direction and carry the water for the communists for a long time before they look around and realize, oh, wow, this was all a lie and I'm in a lot of trouble now. 
It's just, it's not that they all have the communist goal in mind. We're just always going to the same place. Bill Gates is a great example, a great example of this. I can, I tell people all the time, this man is a monster, an absolute monster. And I don't think he thinks he's a monster, that that man would, would happily wipe out millions of people with his policies and not lose a second of sleep over it because he believes he's doing moral good. Mao murdered 70 million of his own people and slept like a baby every night and thought he was the good guy. They asked Pol Pot when he was dying uh, what he thought about all the people dead. He killed 25% of his country. He said, I'm not an animal. I'm a good guy. These people, the most dangerous people are the people who feel like they're morally right. That's the person who will kill everyone. Yeah. And in the same way, when you're talking about, for example, like uh, LGBTQ, you're not talking about LGBTQ people necessarily. You're talking about that activist class who is championing, you know, uh, certain policies in the name of representing LGBTQ people, whether or not they actually do. Right. Oh, of course. Of course. It's not an individual thing. I don't care what your choices make. That's your life. That's your choices. I'm talking about the activist political groups. And like I was just saying, most of the people who participate in this don't see themselves as communists. And when I accuse them of that, they're horrified. What are you talking about? I'm out here for gay rights. And I try to explain, you don't understand. No, you're not. You're out here giving power to other people who tell you they're going to give you some rights or give you something you think you lack. But in the end, brother, we're going to the same gulag. We'll be bunkmates. We're sitting right side by side. You're not going to have any power. Yeah. Which group do you think wakes up first? I would like to hope it's kind of like the pastor that you were talking about who started talking about white privilege, I'm sure, with the most pure biblical intentions in the world. But I'm not so sure about that. It certainly seems like the evangelical church is falling asleep fast to this kind of stuff. Believe me, this pains me to say as much as as much as anything I'll say on your show today, the pastors will be the last one. In America's version of Christianity, the pastors would be the last one. We've been blessed to live in a country where if you're a Christian person, you've been able to, you can practice your faith openly. And for us, that's Christianity. Of course, I'm going to church on Sunday. Of course, I can talk about God with anybody I want or not talk about it. And we, it's, it's made us soft. It's made us soft American Christians who think, uh, uh, turn the other cheek is the salute. It's the only passage half American Christians know. That's not how Christianity is around the world where you have to hide or bring a weapon to church because you might not live when you get home. Our pastors Mm -hmm. today are so pillow soft, it's pathetic. Not all of them, obviously. They should be leading, but I, I I have more faith that Black Lives Matter will come around before the American church. Yeah, you've already kind of seen them complain about Joe Biden not actually heeding any of their agenda items. But it seems to be the same cycle over and over again, is that these groups are disappointed by the people they put in power, which are Democrats, who, like you said, they gain power by promising to take out the oppressor. And then they never do. They actually become the oppressor. And it's not just here in America. We've seen the same thing, like you said, of course, in China and Cambodia, but also more recently in places like Zimbabwe, someone like Robert Mugabe comes to power. He tells the indigenous people there, look, these white farmers are the ones that are harming you. I'm going to help you get your land back by confiscating this property. And then what happens? The only people who are able to commercially farm and hoist up the economy of Zimbabwe, they leave because they have to. There's no more commercial farming than everyone who supported Robert Mugabe in in the name of liberation is poorer than they've ever been. It always ends that way. And I'm just wondering why it seems that so many people don't understand these cycles. And every few years, 
we are left trying to explain to people that this does not end in equality and liberation. Like, what is it that blinds people to that reality? Humans want a savior. That's how we're made. That's how we're, human beings want a savior. And if you don't choose the right one, you're going to choose a political one and you'll do whatever you have to do as long as that person's just going to save you. We saw that in this country very much so with coronavirus when that popped out. The, the, the panic in this nation that people may die. Uh, yeah, we're all going to die. I, I promise you that. Every single person watching right now is going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. My kids are going to die. My parents are going to die. That's, that's life. Did just someone save me? Someone please tell me what I have to do. Should I go home? Should I hide under my bed? Should I wear 14 masks? Should I live in a bubble? Should I, just I don't want to die. Wh what happened to the American mentality? They always want a savior. It's the human. It's human nature to want one. You will seek one out somewhere, and if you don't seek out the right one, you're screwed. Yeah, tell us more how you think that the lockdowns have played into this communistic agenda. Oh, it's been heaven for them. Well, one, they found out how compliant the American public is. It, I, I don't believe for a second that this was this was planned from the beginning. I'm, I'm not, not tinfoil on your head guy. What I do believe is very quickly the politicians looked around and the big tech guys looked around and realized, oh man, these people, they'll do whatever we say. They're going to do whatever we say. We convinced them they're all going to die. Grandma's going to die. Mom's going to die. Kids are going to die. They'll now do whatever we say. Uh, I now can tell them, shut down your business and they'll just do it and go home, wear a mask all day long, six feet, socially distant. Think about this. We remade American society. Make sure it's social distancing, six feet away. We're all standing there trying to buy some eggs in the grocery store. You have to stand on the feet six feet away with plexiglass, only a huge gap that big in there. We did all that based on what? Based on what? Because some doctors said that. Do people honestly believe standing six feet away from everyone else is a solution to a virus? That's our advanced thing. But we scared people enough that we controlled them. And now people will be controlled. We show that the American public is not somehow hungering for freedom. Obviously, a bunch of people are. Probably, obviously, a large percentage of your viewers are. But as a whole, the American public got fat and rich and bored as every powerful nation eventually does. And now we're compliant, very, very compliant. Just scare us bad enough and tell us little Johnny's gonna die and we'll do whatever we have to do to stop that from happening. And it's also strange, but I guess it's incongruence with everything that you just said. When there is a little bit of freedom given, like for example, in Texas, the governor saying, okay, we're gonna lift this mask mandate. We're gonna allow businesses to operate at 100% capacity. Um, you have people very angry about that as if the governor is telling them that they cannot wear masks and that they actually have to go into some kind of mosh pit and swap spit with people. It's very strange how people are clamoring to be told what to do as if they don't have the freedom to exercise their choice. And if they want to wear seven masks, they can. I mean, what do you think is behind that? I guess just kind of what you said, people want to be controlled. They want that savior, right? They do. They, they do. They want to be saved. They want to be controlled. They want to be taken care of. I, look, we act like because we're Americans and because we're so blessed to live here, we act as if people hunger for freedom. That's not true. That's not the history says that is not true. People under oppression 
hunger for freedom, people who get stuck with a bad king, a bad form of government, a fascist, a communist, whatever the case may be, and life sucks, they cry out for freedom. You're an American who came here, and all of a sudden there are too many taxes, Brits are housed in your home, you cry out for freedom. But when you're fat and rich and bored and life is good and I've got, I've got, I've got Netflix whenever I want it, every person watching me right now, Every single person watching us right now is living in a climate-controlled area of some kind. It's probably 73 degrees for every person watching it. You lose that hunger for it. Eventually, you just want that to keep going. Just don't turn mm -hmm. off my next Netflix. Don't stop the Starbucks line. Allow me to turn the air conditioning on, and I'll do whatever you want. Just don't stop any of that. Just let me keep going because comfort is a dangerous thing. The human, it's, it's, a, it's poison for human beings. And you've talked about uh, a backlash to everything that's going on in the left, the communism that is kind of being pushed down our throats. You've talked about that we're eventually going to actually have a dictator. If we thought that Trump you've talked about was bad, if we thought that he was Hitler, just wait until we actually get the person who represents the backlash to all of the communism. So do you see this kind of desire to be controlled, something that the right can fall into as well? Oh, the right can fall into the desire to be controlled. But when I talk about that, what I'm talking about is there's going to be a counterbalance and there, there's going to be an answer because society always seeks a balance. And there are simply too many people on the right right now who oppose everything that's going on. The numbers are too big. When you talk about 60, 70 million people, gun owners and things like that, we it's not a tiny percentage of the population the left can just snuff out. So there's going to be a response, and it, I'm, I, look, I'm scared for it. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's going to be a violent response. They're going to get, we are going to have a fascist dictator rise from the right. It's a fact. History shows it is a fact. The left is radical and violent and radical and violent and radical and violent, and the right will only take that so much. They'll only take so much of that. Within 10 years, shoot, maybe now, within 10 years, people on the right, on the Republican side, would openly vote for somebody who would advocate for jailing journalists. Now, that's obviously not what I want. That's a blatant violation of the First Amendment. But that's the mood of the public. They're so tired of being spit on and spit on and shot. We forget the leftists have been killing people for four years now and, and, and violence and all this stuff. The right will demand an answer. That's why the right got Trump who was so not traditional, and people can't figure this out. Ah, oh, he's a uh, uh, womanizer, been divorced, he's crude, he cusses, this is not the normal GOP thing. People don't understand. There's no longer a checklist of issues or personal life that matters on the right at all. All that's gone. There's no stat taxes or spending or abortion or whatnot. That's gone now. You will either A, protect people on the right from the leftist hordes, or you're gone. You either sell the public on that first or you're not qualified anymore. That's the only qualification that matters on the right. And as the left gets worse, that will get worse and it'll manifest itself in something really, really ugly. It will. And the left sees themselves, though, as reacting to the radicalism of the right. They see the right as violent. They look at, you know, storming the Capitol is just further evidence of fascism on the right. And so they almost see themselves as like the tolerant response to what has been happening on the conservative side. And there may be people listening who say, well, what about all this that happens on the right? What about these people who have perpetuated this violence? What do you say to that? No, of course that's what they believe. That's what they've been sold. And that's honestly what makes it so dangerous, Allie. Because like I talked about earlier, I call it the system. They own the entire culture now. 
Uh, we talk about fighting the culture war. We lost the culture war. The culture war is over. There's no war left. We lost. We're now the out-of-power rebel force that has to try to start taking it back. They own it all. They own the whole education system, the media, the, the Democratic Party. They, they own the FBI. They own the entire federal bureaucracy. They own it all. It's all them now. And when it's all them now, they're going to do what communists, in this case, cultural Marxists, have always done. They're going to try to finish off their political opponents. And how are they going to do that? They're going to find a way to demonize people like you and I. When, we, when they say things like Nazi and white supremacists and Nazi and white supremacists, we laugh it off because we're not, of course. They believe that. These people, it's important for people to understand, these individuals are, are not bad people. I'm not saying that. But they do believe you're a Nazi. And now let me ask everybody watching, what would your conscience allow you to do to a Nazi? What couldn't you right. do to a Nazi that, that would be considered, you could do anything to a Nazi. You want to line him up against a ditch and shoot him in the back of the head. You could. You'd turn to everybody and say, well, yeah, he's a Nazi. They think that. The poll after poll after poll after poll shows the Democratic Party, the majority of Democratic voters do think people on the right are Nazis. That's why this situation is getting so dangerous, because that's what they think. It's not true, but they believe it. And so what do we do? as anti-communists, as what you described as a rebel force, because you also talk about on Twitter how military is being taken over by things like cr critical race theory, which is a form of communism. Um, are, are, is, it, is it just, I mean, are we totally powerless? Is it going to be some future generation that finally sees the tide turn? Should we just bury our our heads in the sand and, and hope for the best? I mean, no, what's the plan of action? No, 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 of course not. What we have to do is first, the reason I talk about this stuff so much is not because I want people to get down and out. I want people to understand our current situation. And so many on the right, this is our problem, they don't understand it. They're, they're already, yeah, you're already here, true. I'm talking about all the time. Well, let's just win some midterms and uh, maybe we'll get a good president in 2024. That doesn't solve our cultural problems. Our cultural problems are so much deeper than who's president or who controls the house. But you don't give up. What you have to do now is identify the people who think like you, who believe what you believe, and there are millions of them. You're not alone on the right. And go there. I understand it's easy for me to say, and not everyone can move, and people are in different situations. It is critical, if at all possible, for you to get to a red area and make it redder move to a conservative state, move to a conservative town, infiltrate your school board, and don't stop the leftists. You push your agenda, your cultural agenda. Infiltrate your city council, your mayor, your state. Go make red areas redder, balkanize and separate so you can live around people who share your values. I'm in Texas, but I think it came out yesterday. The Alabama legislature just passed. Oh, shoot, when was this? It wasn't yesterday. Either way, the Alabama legislature just passed legislation that said it is a felony to give transgender hormones to an underage person, to a child. To force a child into something like that, it is a felony. That's the kind of place I want to live. If you're the type of person who believes it's okay to do that to a child, go live somewhere else. Just find a community, find a neighborhood, find a town, find a state and go there. Because the federal government, as it stands now, is lost. Uh, people talk about uh, great governors. Ron DeSantis is a great one. I call him Heavy D. I want him to run for president. And I, I want him to run for president. Why? Why do we want to take him in an area that, and throw him into an area that's lost when he's doing great for Florida? I don't know that I want him to run for president. Maybe I want to move to Florida instead.
Yeah. What do you think about people who want Trump to run for president again in 2024? Oh, I, I totally get the sentiment. He's by far the most popular Republican in America. And I thought he did an outstanding job as president. I was a fan. Uh, his spending levels were absolutely unacceptably bad. And his hiring and firing was so bad it was borderline embarrassing. I do not want him to run again simply because I think it's time for fresh blood. But he, look, he's going to win if he runs. And I'll be behind him all the way. He's the best foreign policy president by a mile. And to his yeah. credit, even though his background was different than others, he did as much for pro-life and stuff like that, which I'm passionate about, as any Republican I've ever known. He was dynamite on those issues. I don't give a crap he got divorced a bunch. Uh, a lot of people, it seems like, at least in my circles, the vast majority of people listening to and watching this podcast are Christian conservative women. And a lot of them who consider themselves more moderate would say, okay, you know, I'd vote for someone like Nikki Haley, or I'd vote for someone like Tim Scott, or, you know, someone like that. I just don't think that that is necessarily the direction that the Republican Party is going in 2024. Do you? It's not the direction it's going. It's not the direction it should go. And, and look, I, I don't really care for either of those politicians for different reasons, and I'm happy to go into those. But the, the, the truth is, we're all built for certain things, for a certain time. I, I, I'm 6'8". I'm never going to pilot your plane for you. I don't fit in the cockpit. We're all, <laughs> that, that whole, you can be anything you want to be is such a lie we've sold America's kids forever. You're built for certain things. God made you for certain things. Not every politician is made for the time they're, 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 they're put in. Trump was perfect for this time. And the next politician is going to be someone similar to that. It doesn't have to be quite as bombastic and someone who makes especially suburban women cringe the way Trump did. But that's the kind of person you're going to get. It's going to be some kind of fighter who makes people who are kind of sensitive uncomfortable. But it is going to be an uncomfortable political environment now. And there's nothing that's going to change that. Do you have any hope that Republicans can win elections when there seems to be a lot of there's a lot of concern about the integrity of the elections? And some people are just saying, well, I'm not going to vote until that's taken care of. Is that something that you're worried about? Of course, I'm worried about it. And anyone who says they're not is either an idiot or they're lying to you. However, what's the other option? Quit and go home? We can't do that. I, I mean, I do feel an obligation as someone who won life's lottery to be born in the United States of America. I do feel an obligation to fight as hard as I can to try to keep the place. And I've got kids. I've got two sons. Mine are 10 and 12. I'd like them to not grow up in some communist sinkhole. So no, I'm not going to stay home because it's stolen. What kind of teenager attitude is that? We still have to fight as hard as we can and let the chips fall where they may. So do you think it's possible if we apply your wisdom to balkanize and to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded and push back against this stuff, do you think it is possible for us to push back enough against communism and these communist forces for us not to be taken over in that way before we get to the gulags? Yes. Oh, of course it's possible. But we have, we have to have an entire wholesale mentality change on the right. And that'll be most difficult, actually, for the Christian conservative women in, in our movement. I, and I know because my wife's one of them, the ones you talked about. Because a, a, woman's, a woman's nature is different than a man's nature. We're going to have to do things that are more aggressive in the future. You cannot defend, you cannot say no your way out of communism. You can't live and let live your way out of communism. It has never been done. It never will be done. The future is going to involve us doing things that make us a little uncomfortable, make our skin crawl a little in order to defeat them because they're never going to get tired. 
it is not a political ideology. It is a religion yeah. of domination. Then they are in it all the way. They eat, sleep, and breathe it. And so you had better do something to beat the, those hordes back off the wall or they're never going to quit. So we have to make them quit. And that I don't love that either. I, I hate that, but that's the truth. Yeah, I think for a lot of women and maybe just for a lot of Christians in general, it is in particular the racial issues that are kind of a sticking point for them. They don't want to say that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. They don't want to say that America is not systemically racist. They don't want to push back against critical race theory or their kids reading Ibram X. Kendi in school because the last thing that they want to be seen as is racist and hateful. I see a lot of Christians being like, you know what, I'm going to stand strong on the gender stuff. God made the male and female. I'll stand strong on the definition of marriage. That's pretty clear in the Bible. But it is the stuff that's coming in the form of so-called racial justice that they don't know how to push back against and they don't want to push back against. Can you just talk about why that's another form of the kind of communism that you've been talking about? Well, that's the Americanized version of Christianity I was talking about earlier, because you're right. And that's why that's what you hear from the pulpit. Look, you I, honestly, like you just pointed out, you don't hear much of, well, you can marry anyone you want. It's fine from the pulpit. That, that is something they'll, they'll hold fairly strong. And I realize there are outliers there. But the race stuff gets to you because... There's enough truth to the fact we right. have slavery in our history in this country. We did have a pretty racist nation at, at one point in time. There's enough truth there that it was the ultimate avenue for the communists to get involved in the church. But look, if your pastor is up there saying you owe something to somebody or you're owed something by somebody, because of the color of your skin, that is the most unbiblical thing I have ever heard in my entire life. And I'm not saying your pastor is a bad guy. I am saying he's too weak and stupid to lead you and your family. And you should pack up and run for the door. Don't walk, sprint for the door and never walk back in. We are all equal in the eyes of God. You don't owe anybody a daggone thing, nothing. And nobody's owed a daggone thing and you won't be given it in this life. This is all just an avenue for you to be dominated by someone and you don't have to accept that. What does it say? Not a spirit of, of timidity, but of power. That's exactly what we have. Yes, and I think it's so important for us to be critical thinkers as Christians, because obviously we care about real injustice when it happens, whether it's perpetrated towards someone who is black or white or Asian, wherever it is. And of course, we care about that. We speak up when we believe, for example, a police officer, I know you've done this, uses his authority in a way that is abusive, no matter who it is against. Like we care about that stuff. We speak up against this stuff. But what you are speaking against and what I've spoken against is this kind of collectivist um, justice that categorizes people in oppressed versus oppressor based on their skin color. That's not biblical. That is a form of communism. And like you said at the beginning of this, it doesn't matter that you're out there raising a fist for Black Lives Matter. We're going to the same gulag. Like it, that's not going to yeah. insulate you from the attacks um, of the communists. Uh, could you end with some advice and some wisdom you've given us a lot already and some encouragement for people who are just they're just worried about the future that you have described um give us a little bit more that we can take home and not despair i will all right well first of all you you asked about what i would say to christians and stuff like that i would say this just understand god did not make white people god made you 
God made you an individual, whether you're white or black or whatever, you are an individual. You're not responsible for anything anyone else did. You're, you don't have, uh, you don't, you're not owed anything. You are an individual sacred. That's how he made you. Every hair on your head, he designed it. You don't have to feel some burden. That, that You don't have to take on some burden that's not yours. So you need to let all that crap go. Two, you do have to take some practical steps, if possible. I understand everyone has different situations to get to an area, a physical area, where people live, work, and worship the same way you do. I've done it. I'm not telling you to do anything I haven't done. I've moved across the country several times. I'm in a place now where they think like me, they talk like me, they believe what I believe. It is a better life. It is a better life. Go there, and that's where your protection is. All is not lost. You just have to completely reframe how you think about where we are. It's not, ah, oh, we have the midterms coming up. We have lost. But that's fine. It could be a blast being a rebel, too. We just have to change our mentality. You are now the counterculture, and that's going to be a blast. And one last thing. What if their kids are still going to public school? Get your kids out of government schools. And again, I understand yes. everybody, everyone has their own situation. And I'm not telling you everybody just can snap their fingers tomorrow and do it. I don't care if you have to homeschool it. I don't care if you have, you have to identify a private school, maybe a religious one uh, of your choice, a charter school, whatever you have to do, get your kids out of government schools. They are teaching your children to hate themselves and hate America. That's why half the country does now, because they've all been filtered through that system. Get them out. Yes, and amen. Okay, thank you so much, Jesse. And remind everyone where they can find you, how they can follow and support you. Uh, I have a nationally syndicated radio show, The Jesse Kelly Show, on Monday through Friday. And my TV show, I'm Right, is on every single night on the first 9 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jesse. Be good, Allie. 